As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, welcome to Civilized Barking. I'm Zach Jackson, going solo. Uh, it's an Askin Jackson edition of the podcast. And I think the word emergency might be too strong. Uh, we don't usually do them on Tuesday afternoon. That's what it is when I recorded. I got back from Miami last night. Uh, the Browns regular work week starts on, on Wednesday morning, as you probably know. Um, it's just one loss, you know, and it's a season that really – Probably wasn't ever going anywhere anyway after the way they played in early October. But, um, you know, I just wanted to, with the benefit of getting a day and a half away or so from um, that loss and looking ahead now into the to the back half of the season, and we all know what's ahead with Watson in two weeks, um, just kind of reset this here. And, you know, it is an emergency. Like, to come off the bye week like that makes it not just one game – not just, oh, well, the Dolphins are good. All those things that are true. Um, there's no defending Kevin Stefanski, and there's no defending the entire operation right now. There's not. And, again, this is not Sunday at 4.30 p.m. screaming, right? Um, you know, the defense is historically bad against the run. Um, the offense was always going to be disjointed. It's been mostly fine. You know, it's hit a wall. And they're, they are going to change quarterbacks, which isn't ideal, but they're going to add – talent to that position and then again 11 games into a season begin building an offense with a guy who is supremely talented but hasn't played football in 700 days and you gave up the farm to get him so this is at a crossroads and again um you know it doesn't mean that this whole thing is sunk it doesn't mean that kevin Stefanski is going to get fired tomorrow he's certainly not i don't think he's going to or he or anybody's going to get fired next monday but i can tell you if they go to buffalo and lay down again oh boy the shit's really going to hit the fan um, this was always a situation of, of course, Stefanski's going to get to coach Deshaun Watson. Of course, making the move they made last March 18th was done, at least to the most of our knowledge. Uh, and I know it's hard to apply common sense to the Cleveland Browns a lot of times in saying, hey, we're here. Andrew Barry's not going anywhere. Kevin Stefanski's not going anywhere. Paul DePodest is not going anywhere. We're on board with this. And, um, you know, we're willing to sacrifice parts of this, se- of this season 
were willing to take on all the awkwardness to come with it, even though they clearly, I don't think, knew all of it uh, or were ready for all of it in any way, um, to, to, to get to better days. And, and in doing so, they said this roster is good enough, this organization is good enough. And both of those things are outright lies. They just are. Um, the defense, you know, has anchor guys in Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward who make a lot of money. They just had bad games. Obviously, Denzel hasn't been seen for a month. He came back. He made one great play. You see the ability. Um, I'm not going to sit here and question the effort of Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. You guys can go back and watch the game and make your own conclusions there. You know, this team has invested in Jadavian Clowney twice. It's not something you do unless you think you're ready to win big. Um, in, in Jadavian Clowney's two seasons with the Browns, there will be zero playoff appearances right? This team has invested nothing. Well, it has invested something, but it has hit nothing at linebacker or a defensive tackle. And that's part of the reason why the defense is just getting gashed. 5.9 yards before contact for the Dolphins. So that means the whole day, the guys are into past the second level before they even have to decide, do I need to cut? Do I need to cut back? Do I need to lower my shoulder? Can I take this the distance? Um, Comically, comically bad. And, you know, I do it. You guys do it. Talking to your friends, knowing a little bit of football, only being a casual fan, right? Everybody overreacts in the NFL. That, that's what's made the NFL so popular. There's one game a week. They get you invested. There's enough parity where every team thinks they have a chance to some extent, right? You, you live and die with it, and, and you know, and you look, and you say, okay, um, we're great when we win and we, we stink and everybody should be fired when we lose. And we know what the cycle's been here in Cleveland. So just to go back to this four-game losing streak, I mean, in October, in the fourth game, the Browns played well. Like They did. Going to Baltimore and winning is no easy task. Baltimore has a chance to be in the AFC Championship game. Uh, the Ravens were not great that day. Part of that was the Browns, right? The Browns played them tooth and nail, had chances, didn't get it. But the defense looks totally different than it did. Uh, in the previous three games. And you thought, okay, that's what it's supposed to look like. Um, they know this team. They're, you know, they're two and five and they've lost four in a row, but they're not out of it yet. The next week, the Browns win their Super Bowl, right? It's national TV. It's Monday night. They're a tough matchup for the Bengals and they out-execute them, out-physical them, everything. Um, the, the Bengals can't run the ball at all. Miles in the defense swarms. Sione Taki Taki's all over the place. Isaiah Thomas is all over the place, right? They can't get anything going, and it's all these good vibes. And, you know, one of the things you never write uh, when you're covering the NFL is a good time for a bye week. Like, it's the ultimate cliche, and, and it's not true. Like, there's no such thing as a bad time for a bye week because these guys put so much into it mentally and physically starting in July and then really ramping up in September. You need that. So you get that extra time. You scout yourself instead of the opponent. You get away for a couple days. Everybody comes back fresh and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You looked at what you've done. You've looked at your next opponents. You've looked at your recent games. Um, you have enough games to really know, and, and you, you're supposed to deliver your best performance. I mean, there are major advantages to playing off a of bye week. That doesn't always necessarily translate to wins. It certainly doesn't translate to perfect performances, but there are major advantages a team has going to a bye week and specifically playing against a team headed into its bye week that, you know, is – that needs that, right? That that hasn't had the time to physically rest, right? That, that hasn't had the time to do its self-scout and all of those things. And for the Browns to be so completely out-prepared, out-classed, out-everything, beat by simple plays, um, unable to adjust, it just sums up everything, right? And, and before we get to the questions, I hope you're still listening to this ramble. 
Um, I just want to say this. I think this Browns regime is really good at looking at the big picture, planning for the big picture, diagnosing in the offseason where it's strong, where it's really weak, how it can allocate its resources, what it wants to be down the road. That's that's in the you know the commitments they've made to the players that were already on the roster. They haven't drafted any superstars themselves. We all know that. Um, in, in committing to drafting young players with athletic traits and saying we're going to improve and saying, you know, we really believe the quarterback is super important. Obviously, we really believe the cornerback is super important. Obviously, we're going to pay Clowney and lock up Garrett and draft Alex Wright because we need to be good at those positions. Um, and, and those things are right. And like getting Amari Cooper, getting ahead of the market and getting him for nothing. I mean, that's a shrewd move, right? Like investing in the O-line the way they've done and reinvesting in it, investing in Nick Chubb with the team-friendly deal that I can't believe he took and by keeping Nick Chubb and, and keeping Dearness Johnson around and drafting. Like all those things are, are good business. But, man, they failed in so many other places. And when I say they're good in the big picture, as soon as something goes wrong, they're lost. Like in the history of sports, not just the NFL, in any season, there's no straight line, right? So – What's the first in-game adjustments is what we think of. Do we think that these Browns are good at in-game adjustments? Is there anything in the past season and a half that says that? No. Okay, we'll pass that. Are we drafting and developing our players? Well, no. And no team hits 600 in the third round, fourth round, fifth round. No no team does, right? Now, the, the good ones have, have a good batting percentage. But even in the third round, the Browns have been god-awful at drafting. And below that, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones has become a nice player, and he's certainly – a, uh, a plus NFL player who has every right to keep getting better, right? Considering how little he's played and how young he is, but you have to get other guys ready to play. You have to have other guys ready to play. You have to nurture them, develop them to be ready to come out of nowhere. And they've kept this entire coaching staff with very few exceptions together for three years and continuity is supposed to matter. This team is poorly built. This team has drafted poorly. The defense can't tackle anybody. There's depth at running back, offensive line, and a little at corner. I mean, Greedy Williams and A.J. Green don't play at all, right? They had to move Greg Newsom to the slot. That's been bad. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, in the third round, guys, they've drafted Jordan Elliott, Jacob Phillips, who put together arguably one of the worst stretches an NFL linebacker could ever have before going on IR again, and Anthony Schwartz, who who won't be in the league. That's who they've drafted in the third round, right? They've invested in offensive tackle, and we don't know the future of Jedrick Wills or Jack Conklin right now. And the present ain't great, 
right? The Browns offensive line is really good and really deep. It just had its worst performance, again, coming off a bye. Again, that extra time. And, and I know when you lose Wyatt Teller, it doesn't help. Uh, and I know when when teams can can play you a certain way to take away your running back, and that doesn't help. But in terms of being flexible and adjusting and being on top of things and thinking that you have young players ready to take that next step and that you're fine, that you're going to plug Deshaun Watson in and have a more normal offseason and just go next year, what? Firing Joe Woods. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the defensive staff does need to shake up. Obviously, the message is getting lost. All right. So, new coordinator, welcome. We have very limited resources, and you need a whole new defensive line other than number 95. You need a whole new linebacking core other than number 28, who weighs 210 pounds. Okay. Um, this thing is in bad shape. And Kevin Stefanski at some point needs to help himself, and he hasn't. And I've defended him, and I like him, and I want him to stay here. But there's no other way to say it other than Kevin Stefanski looks like a really good offensive coordinator and a head coach who's over his head. And it's still a results-based business. You can have all the data and all the PFF numbers and all the EPA numbers you want, right? And draft for all the measurables you want. It's still a results-based business. The Browns over the last 17, 20 games have been shitty. The Browns over the last six games look like one of the worst teams in the AFC. They don't have a first-round pick for two years. They have major needs at defensive end, offensive tackle, linebacker, before you get to receiver, right? They don't have high picks to address them. Their free agency track record sucks. Does everybody's free agency track record suck? Yeah, for the most part, it does. Theirs is really bad. One-play suspension, team disciplinary issues. Stefanski won't talk about it. He won't talk about anything. That's his choice. He's the head coach. He is the front man for this organization that's failing. He won't answer a question. He suspends a player for one play. Won't talk about it. One play. Boy, I'm sure Grand Delpit learned his lesson. Boy, that reflects poor, uh, greatly on the entire organization. Things must be really going good in the meeting rooms, in the day-to-day -day operation, on the practice field, with the front office. Everything must be peachy keen because Grant Delpit, a high second-round pick, a front-line guy for this organization, one-play suspension. And he has to come in after one play because the guy that started as a 25-year-old undrafted rookie, you don't have any other depth at safety. Even though you drafted Grant Delpit really high in the second round, and even though you paid John Johnson $12 million a year. Guys, it's bad. It's really, really bad. And, you know, I know a lot's going to change, and December can change things. And December has changed things for NFL franchises, organizations, seasons, players, coaches for a long time, and maybe they'll get it together. But what do they do that makes you think they can do that? Right? It's not going to be a seamless transition with a new quarterback. Um, it's not going to be a seamless transition when the head coach who looks overmatched most Sundays has to shake up his staff. And if you're the ownership, which has done nothing but lose and fire people for 10 years, you finally started to trust these guys. You finally kept them around. You have to look and say, are we doing the right thing next year when we have the quarterback and we think we, we have some normalcy and we're really ready to compete, which we said we were, or we wouldn't have made this move. Do we trust this head coach? Do we trust this group without first-round picks to go get guys who can help, to make moves? And I hear this trade in Miles Garrett stuff. And, yes, you probably could get two ones and a two and a three for Miles Garrett. But you're all in for now, guys. Nick Chubb's 27. Deshaun Watson just did you're not You're not trying to get worse, right? You're trying to be all in for now. Like – I mean, 
they started the offseason by getting Amari Cooper. And again, in the short term, that is an A++++ move. Now, he has a lot of money the next two years, but Amari Cooper is a pro's pro. He's a great receiver. He's been productive. And I think even in two years, um, if he's not you know, a dynamite, dynamic player, he'll still be a really good NFL player You know, who's making $23 million. Right. Their next move was Taven Bryan, who didn't start for the Jaguars, but the Browns brought him here and said, we're good at defensive tackle. Then they went on this Deshaun Watson mission. And while doing, they're doing that, they signed Jakeem Grant, 30-year-old kick returner. Um, and it was addressing, again, going back to they're good at the big picture, it was addressing a need. You know, dynamic guy, um, taking really one of your weaknesses and hopefully making it at least solid, if not a strength. He gets hurt in the second week of training camp. He's 30 years old. He's still guaranteed money for next year. All right. Um, they've drafted, again, a defensive tackle. Jordan Elliott, not a starting quality player. Uh, Perry on Winfrey, who can't get a helmet on Sundays. Tommy Togia, who was always a backup and plays like a backup. Didn't do anything else there other than bring in Taven Bryant. Okay. Traded for Chase Winovich. Hasn't been healthy. Okay. Um, emergency trade for Deion Jones. Did anybody see any linebackers out there on Sunday? The Dolphins did, and they peeled them every single time. Anyway, you want to take some asking accent? <laughs> Easy for me to say. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Um, question from Henry. The Browns have drafted three DTs, and all three look like busts. I promise I just scrolled to the first one. <laughs> I just was talking about this, Henry. Is it bad valuation, flawed scheme, thinking too small a DT, or inability, inability to develop them? The DL coach did bail and come back this season. Same question for receivers. Yeah, Henry, I mean, at this point, I think it's all of the above, right? Like Jordan Elliott was in college for four years. Um, he didn't play much initially. That's fine. He's a rookie. This is a team that, that had other guys. Um, he played a little bit more last year. He was just so-so. I mean, a third-round pick in his third year, like good teams do that. You bring him along. Now he's ready to start. Doesn't look like a starting quality player. You know, um, you're going to always play in the AFC North. And obviously they've done a good job of matching up with the Ravens and the Bengals. You know, the the, the recent defensive outputs against those teams, and, and those are really all in the last 12 calendar months, um, show that. But they're just getting pounded by other teams, and it's not getting any better. Same question for receivers. Yeah, you know, um, it was a smart, shrewd investment on Cooper. We'll see on David Bell. Obviously the pass offense will change. You know, Michael Woods always a developmental guy. I, I think he can hang around the NFL for a while. I think he can help you. I don't think he'll be great. And again, I, I'm not sure Peoples Jones will ever be great. He's using his body. He's playing with confidence. Like this is a guy that can make a lot of catches. And uh, when Watson comes back and make a lot of tough ones to help whoever the quarterback is. But when you look at how they've structured things and what they've done in terms of these key positions, and it's not just, again, big picture identifying needs and, and devoting resources to it. It's being tough to play against. It's crafting a style of how you want to play. All that shit in the third year is supposed to be so much better, and it's worse. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm alarmed. I have major questions about bringing any of these guys back. Major, major questions. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. 
tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, question from Kenneth. When will the Browns use Jerome Ford? I'd like to see him get reps at running back. Well, since they're going to be playing for nothing in December and January, you're going to see that. But right now, he's the fourth running back. I mean, he had the injuries coming along. They like him. They think he can play. He's probably the second running back next year, Kenneth. I don't know, but... You know, they're going to use their guys right now. He's not nearly as good uh, or as experienced or as proven as those guys. I think they'll work him in. But, you know, coming off the injury right now, you're just, you're not going to overuse him. And you're not – you're trying to create more opportunities for Chubb and Hunt to thrive, not fewer. That's just how it is. Question from Aaron. Why do the Browns always make me sad? Because you keep coming back, Aaron. Question from Buckeye JD. What kind of dirt does Joe Woods have on Jimmy Haslam? Must be juicy for him to still be employed. Yeah, you know, I'm not going there. I probably shouldn't have even read the question that way. Um, what does firing the defensive coordinator in midseason really do? Right? Because, again, you've made the choice to keep him for the third year. You made the choice to keep his entire staff for the third year. In doing so, he's had two off seasons after playing to work with the staff to say, this is what we need. This is how we want to shape it. This is how we want to play. This is how we had to play when we had to adjust. Again, the Browns are terrible at adjustments and getting to that next stage. This is who we have, and, and this is their strengths and weaknesses and how we want to do things. You know, so yeah, he's not going to be, he's going to be a scapegoat. They hell, they might all get fired. They 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 might. There's no other way to say it. But again, firing Joe Woods right now. I'm not saying it's out of the question on Monday, but what does it really solve? Right? You have two guys on your on your defensive staff who have the title of pass game coordinator and run game coordinator. Given what we've seen, are you going to hire? Are you going to promote them and say we're good to go? <laughs> like, you're just not. You're just not. Um, and there are a few more questions here. Question from Justin: What will it take to get Chubb 25 carries? Justin, I'm not saying it's a bad question. Um, it's not. It, it's an interesting one, and it makes for a good discussion. But we have to say there's not like a magic number of carries that means the offense is good. I know there's the stat of when he carries toward the Browns win. Well, the offense is rolling and the defense is playing well enough to put him in position to get those carries, right? Um, the Dolphins did what the Patriots did, which is stack the box and dare the Browns to pass. The Browns had 30 rushing yards on 14 first half attempts, right? That wasn't working. They had to throw. I mean, part of what makes the Browns hard to play is they're good on the offensive line. And you, you better come to work and come to hit all day long. They're going to wear on you. But when the game gets away from you and you're 24-7, down 24-7 to because you can't get a stop, you know, and they've stacked the box early and kept you to seven, then it's just really hard to play. So, you know, when are we going to see it? We're going to see it when the Browns come out and he's effective and the defense is effective and they get their ideal blueprint, which is being up seven, being up 10 in the fourth quarter. When they use want to use both backs, which is why they try to keep them both fresh and healthy um, and go go to attack. We would have seen it in the Cincinnati game had it been not su such a blowout. If the Bengals get one more touchdown there or score before the first half, then you see Chubb gets 25 carries. The result's the same as it was, right? So that's just – it's an arbitrary number. It, 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 it's, it's worth monitoring. And it's worth saying that the management of the running backs is something that you can question, right? When that's clearly your strength and clearly sometimes you have to settle for two yards or trying to get three or four or eight when you know the pass game isn't going to work unless and fewer bad things can happen with that, right? But when the Dolphins are playing you the way the Patriots, when there's a clear book on you, then you're just not going to overdo it to do it.
right? So question from Bobo Jones, 92. Greg Newsom had a great rookie season, but hasn't looked as impressive this year while playing in the slot. Any way to reshuffle him back outside or are those just teething problems? You know, this is an interesting one, uh, Bobo, or whatever your real name is. And the reason I think it hasn't been talked about um, or, or really discussed is, one, is the other circumstances. Like, teams have just beaten the Browns up with the run so badly that it hasn't really mattered. Now you have Miami who plays a certain way, and they clearly – when you watch the game, they, they clearly had favorable matchups on Newsom and went right, right at him. I think it was six of seven, according to PFF, six of seven for 84 yards or something in, in the touchdown. Um, but, you know, in other games, they haven't had Ward. I mean, he's always a full-time player. He does play outside when they're in base defense, but they haven't been – teams have not attacked them that way on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, Cincinnati is a three-wide team. Well, they didn't have their number one receiver, and the Browns' defensive game plan that night was great, and nobody said, boy, should Greg Newsom not be playing in the slot. So, you know, from the start, I questioned the move. They thought he had the makeup to, did it, they, to do it. They still trust in Newsom as a great player uh, or can be a great player, has all the traits that they want, and I think that too. Is he having a great year? No. Is he having a good year? No. Who on the defense is, right? So, again, th- these are things that going forward can be helped by new scheme, new coordinator, taking a step back. Uh, but it really comes down to personnel. They traded the only slot corner they had, and they said Greg Newsom could do it. So it, it, it is something interesting to watch going forward and see. And, you know, again, this just comes down to this defense was remade ahead of year two, Barry Stefanski, and year three was supposed to be the payoff. And now it's a complete disaster. It needs remade, and your resources are super limited. And you've drafted – who has this defense drafted? Jordan Elliott. Grant Delpit, Jacob Phillips, right? Tony Fields, Greg Newsom, JOK, Tommy Togiai, right? Like, how many of these guys are, are part of the solution? The Browns think JOK and Newsom are, are long timers and good players. They might be right. They, they could be right. Based on year one results, they were. Based on right now, um, they're not. So, anyway, um, I got to go. I just wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to say all that stuff spit it out to you guys real. That's all I can do and take some of your questions. Thanks you guys for tweeting in. If you keep tweeting questions, I'll do a written meal bag. Uh, we're back in Berea tomorrow. And frankly, I don't know what that's going to look like. Thanks for listening to civilized barking and we will talk to you soon.